At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? I'm actually on holiday this week, but I wanted to get this podcast out for you guys because it was pretty cool and a little different from the norm on the HVAC know All podcast. I was actually invited to be on a podcast by a gentleman by the name of Greg Crumpton. Okay, I know him. I know Greg from LinkedIn. Great guy, vice president of Service Logic. He's like, hey, hey, G, you want to get on a podcast with me? And I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. So we hooked up. Uh, the podcast was actually hosted by a gentleman by the name of Sean Heath from Market Scale, and they put it all together. So they get the shout out for this, all right? And Greg gets the shout out for inviting me on, and it was sort of a roundtable discussion on the trades, blue collar kind of how it, um, it's all fitting into today and how we get and how we attract more younger kids to come into the fields as the older techs are starting to exit. You know what I mean? Because we have that issue that everybody's well aware about this day and age. So listen up guys, pretty cool convo. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast and I'm your host, Gary McCready. So Yellow Jackets temperature probe slash strap it's out. It's available. Go to your supplier, ask for it. Special delivery. You can measure pipes up to six inches in diameter. And you can use it with the Mantooth or the P51 digital manifold. If you're an industrial, commercial, it is a good sensor to have. It's uh, it's a thermistor type, okay? And it's got some easy, easy to use clips and straps. So you can strap it tightly to your pipe and measure temperatures on pipes up to six inches. Shout out to Refrigeration Technologies and the best leak bubble in the in the world, as far as I'm concerned, from Big Blue. I've seen images of, of my own bubbles and others online. The bubbles get massive. It's due to the, the bubble surface tension in the formula. You want to learn more about bubble surface tension, you can do that easily by going to my podcast with John Pastorello, CEO of Refrigeration Technologies, and we discuss the science of bubbles. Very, very cool stuff. XOI Technologies just posts a little video. Um, it's an animated video of some, some unique features of their vision platform. Okay, their tech-to-tech, peer-to-peer, tech support platform. Very, very cool stuff. It's, it's, it's the present and it's the future of tech support. And you need to go to um, their website, IXO. Just Google them jump on their website and you can see what it's all about. Shout out to NAVAC, um, the NRDD recovery machine. I told you guys before, put your old one on the counter. Okay. You get a hundred dollars off your new NRDD recovery machine. Pretty awesome. Also Testo guys, what I do with my Testo smart probe the other day, my thermal hygrometer, I stuck it on a sensor. All right. We were having some troubles with it, with a lever unit acting up. It was in a dead air space, but I had to calibrate the sensor. So I stuck it on top of the sensor, walked away about 50 feet away to the unit, 
while looking at my phone to see what the actual temp was and then dialed in the calibration on the Liebert unit to get it to the correct, the, the right temp. I was going to say correct. And I said, right, at the, same time. the correct, the correct temp. I just made a new word up. Anyway, guys, check that out. The new long range smart probes from Testo. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, your educational podcast where we discuss the ins and outs of the HVAC and mechanical service industry. Find out how we can help you increase efficiency and how we deliver excellent service in the real world. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic. I'm your host, Sean Heath. It's not really a big secret that I'm very much a fan of Mike Rowe. Dirty Jobs was one of my favorite shows of all times. And he's a well-known endorser of the value of the skilled trades. I have the privilege today of having a conversation with two more individuals who have a rightfully earned amount of pride and interest in the skilled trades. My guests on the podcast today are the Vice President at ServiceLogic, Greg Crumpton, and the founder of HVACKnowItAll.com, Gary McCready. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Greg, how's your day going? It is spectacular overlooking the beautiful skyline of Charlotte, North Carolina, and having a great day. The reason I bring up Mike Rowe is I watched his TED Talk, and he talked about the disappearance of the skilled tradesmen. That's got to be something that hurts each of your hearts to see that happen. Yeah, for sure it does. Uh, in my, my situation, and I know it does Gary's through our, our correspondence, you know, the skilled trades is something that has provided for my family for a long time, going back to my, my dad also being a member of the skilled trades in the air conditioning business. So it, it hits me really close to home. I agree with you there too. So it's, it's put food on my table since, um, since I was 20 years old and, and moving out on my own. Um, and now I'm providing for my wife and three kids. So I've, I've created a career out of it. And, and now I've created, and I talked to, um, Josh Zolan about this a couple of months ago. We, we talked about adjacent, um, careers to the industry. And, and this is what I'm doing now with, with the experience that I've, uh, created for myself in my career. I'm creating this adjacent career where I'm doing podcasts of my own and I have my website and I'm doing tool reviews and, and uh, rotating on social media on different platforms and, and creating a buzz around it, trying to make the trades look cool for the younger kids coming in. You know what I mean? One of the benefits that working in the skilled trades provides is there's a sense of connection and community and there's a social aspect that exists that I don't think a lot of people realize when it comes to the skilled trades. What is causing these skilled tradesmen to sort of leave the industry and on the flip side of that coin, how come we don't have a fresh influx of new apprentices? So Gary, let, I'll tackle the first one and then maybe you could speak to the second, but uh, okay. You know, I, I think that the, the whole, what I call the silver tsunami of uh, the skilled workers, uh, among all workers, but the skilled workers in particular, because that's where I spend a lot of time thinking, uh, are, are retiring at an incredible uh, rate uh, due to the fact that, uh, like 
me, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, so I'm the youngest baby boomer. I was born in 1964, uh, therefore I'm 55 years old, and those that are my age and older are retiring, and we're not, we haven't been able to backfill the, uh, the I guess, the number, and, and some would say the quality of worker uh, that we have always had up to this point. Okay, so as far as the lack of young kids getting into the trade, it's I think it's dependent on the way we teach them and the way we treat them because the world changes, so we kind of have to change and evolve ourselves in the way we treat individuals, right? Not just in the trades, but but all together. Back in the day when I first got into the trade trades, um, there was a lot of aggression towards apprentices from the senior techs and the business owner. And nowadays, if you put forth that aggression towards these young kids, they're not going to, they're not going to accept it because they see opportunities in other places. Like if you go online on YouTube, a young kid, 19 years old, they can make a living sitting in a chair playing video games. Unbelievable as it is, they can do that. So when they come into the trades, we need to teach them um, in a different way. We need to show them that the trades are cool. And that's one of the things I've tried to do with my online platforms is try to put this kind of uh, spin on it where it looks like we're having fun out in the field because a lot of days we do. A lot of days, yes, um, it's not fun, but there's a lot of days that are fun and are very rewarding at the end of the day. So I think it's all about how we treat the apprentices and how we teach them. We have to change that going forward. It's so that we can't be old school anymore. And that uh, sense of fulfillment can even happen on a a day that's not necessarily fantastic. A rough day, you can still accomplish something at the end of the day. Exactly. Yes, you can. It sounds like it's a bit of an image problem, but I don't know necessarily that it's just limited to the image of the industries. I think there is a self-image that, for some reason, has become, it's not cool to be a carpenter. But... There are a million videos on YouTube that show carpenters doing super amazing, cool, crafty, just genius things. It's really just about marketing. You're 100% right on that. Go ahead, Greg. I, I think, Sean, that, that's a great point. That is, it, is an, it, it has become an image issue where so many people have the stigma around wearing a uniform or wearing a pair of Carhartts to work, you know. Uh, we, we've done, as the U.S. and Canada both, uh, probably worldwide, we've done this uh, disastrous job of telling everybody they have to go and earn a four-year degree in order to make a, a, you know, a great career and have a successful income. You know, really, it, the inverse of that is probably true right now more than ever. We have a lot of college graduates that can't get out and make a living because there's no demand for the education that they have. So they wind up doing other jobs that are outside of their degree. So I, I think that the, the image has to be that, uh, you know, you used a word a while ago that I, I find near and dear, which is craftsman and being a craftsman and being a tradesman and, and you started their, uh, the conversation out with Gary and I being artists, and, and we really view ourselves as that because we embrace our, our industry at a level that we want other people to, obviously, but at a, at a level where other people may not have gotten to yet. Um, so we do feel like artists, and part of that is sculpting you know, what the next generation or the next iteration 
of uh, technicians looks like. So uh, I think we, we are just having to do a whole lot of education, uh, a whole lot of showing, and, and as Gary said, teaching differently. And, and uh, you know, the human side of it is treating people, you know, better than we got treated when we were 19 years old coming into the industry uh, to show them that there is a, a, a good way and, you know, they can earn a successful wage, uh, provide for the family and have a, have a nice life. So I think it's just a, a whole wide breadth of what we have to educate people. There are only so many companies that need a social media director. And yet, there is an exponentially larger number of companies and situations that need a welder or a plumber or someone who knows HVAC or an electrician. As an added bonus, I thought it was really interesting what you said, uh, Greg, that there are students who graduate with four-year degrees that will not work in the field that their degree applies to. And they will spend years trying to get in and on the ground floor as an intern on some company because they think that their degree in English literature is going to turn into their next great novel. At the same time, those four years that they spend working in the mailroom, they could have become completely certified and trained as an electrician or a carpenter and already after four years be making a much better living than they will make 20 years from now trying to write their novel. Yeah, if I could add to that too, when, once you once you get to that four or five years and and you put your head down and learn that trade and you learn it well, you can create your own business out of that going forward and create your own destiny as well. And I mean, like you said, working in the mailroom for four years, but I mean, you could be working in a trade four or five years, 10 years from now, you could be owning your own business and making huge income, have your own employees and your own destiny. The destiny's in your own hands when, when you're in the trades because there's so many adjacent that you could pick and choose from. You could go into sales later on. You could you could do something like what I did. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but you could start your own blog, podcast, um, social media accounts, and start reviewing tools. And there's all kinds of opportunities out there adjacent to a career in the trades. Yeah, and Sean, you mentioned a while ago, and and just to, to kind of finish uh, Gary's. Uh, a little bit of his thought would be the degree that people aspire to and get through normal college or university always comes at a, at a price tag. And you mentioned micro and the micro foundation and what they're doing for scholarships to uh, help people go through a skilled trades program, a technical school, a community college. There, there's, you know, so many people that I've put through uh, technical school in, in my life and as a business owner, uh, you know, one thing we did was every year we had a, uh, a an apprentice that we paid for their school all the way through to get their degree. And over the course of the my time of owning a company, uh, we did 12 kids through that program. So 12 kids got a skill uh, with no debt. So I think that uh, tackling that, that student loan, loan uh, debacle is, is just another layer of this is that you can get a job, you can make 75 grand a year, and you don't have to have college debt to, uh, to have to pay off. 
Now, you mentioned uh, the college debt, and obviously that makes me think finances, which makes me think about the economy. Now, there are downturns in the economy that affect all industries. Are there slowdowns in, in these particular trades, or are they relatively consistent compared to the volatility of other careers? I can speak on, on my trade in general. I can't speak on all the others because I don't know um, all the details, but for, for us, we have slow periods. Um, in, in the service industry of HVAC, like shoulder seasons, like, like March or maybe September, uh, where the, the, the temperature is mild, it's not cold, it's not hot, and we're not going crazy with service calls. The other thing I'd mention is that, and I've mentioned this tons of times on my own platforms, is that there's a difference between being an installer and being a service technician. Installers will install equipment obviously and there's there's cost to that there's there's a lot more cost to an installation than there is let's say a $500 service call so if somebody has an old machine and it's running but it's not very efficient and we're in a recession chances are they're probably going to wait it out and they're not going to spend the, the 5 to 10,000 dollars it takes to replace an entire system but a service technician will probably get the call to go fix it if it breaks for a fraction of the cost. So I always preach service in my industry as being, um, like not like you said, not recession-proof because a lot of people still hold back some money, um, even in service, but it's resistant because things always break, like you said, Sean, and we'll have to get the service call and go repair it. Yeah, I, I, would, I would add on to that. Um guys that uh, so my company I, I ran a large company for a long time and then i branched out in 1999 to to form a company called airtight that my wife and i started and we ran that company for 15 years before we were acquired by service logic where i currently work and i can tell you that we went through uh 911 uh, as a two-year-old company and then we went through the housing meltdown of 08, 09 into the Great Recession, and we grew every year. We were, as Gary alluded to, we, we were service-based. So we didn't do a lot of new construction as far as new uh, projects being built. Our, our uh, bread and butter has historically been service maintenance and repair. And I can tell you that every year, the 15 years, we grew in revenue uh, and we were profitable in every year. So I think that that speaks to uh, Sean what you were uh, saying that you know we're, we we certainly uh, I'll tell you in '01 and in '08 we weren't going gangbusters but you know we we were still moving the needle slowly um, so it, you know I think recession uh, resistant is a great word for uh, for the service industry where Gary and I spend a lot of time. These skilled positions, they're not really at risk of robot replacement anytime soon. Robots can do an awful lot of great things, but there's just some things they're just not ready to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first, Gary, I guess. Uh, I, I'm 100% on board with that, Sean. Every, you, every situation that you run into as a service technician in our industry is a little bit different. Maybe the wiring diagram's not on site. Maybe someone has made a, a poor repair the first time and the system's not acting as it should. There's, the, there's any number of things that you have to be able to 
use your your skill set of what you've learned, the, the science, the physics, and the math behind HVAC. But there's also that degree of, of you know what I call common sense, which doesn't seem to be all that common anymore, of being able to look at this thing and logically come up with a solution or at least a series of tests to prove your hypothesis of what you think is wrong, which is what we do. We, we make an assumption, we add charge, remove charge, we replace a faulty component. So we're always testing against the hypothesis of what we believe is wrong with the system. And to, in my opinion, there's way too many variables for that to be uh, automated very quickly. Now, who knows with machine learning, uh, we, we may prove ourselves wrong there, but uh, I certainly don't see it in the short term as being a threat. Well, as we wrap up today, I would like to open the floor um, to each of you. What is one thing that you would like all of the listeners of the podcast today to take away from this conversation? And uh, Gary, let's start with you. Well, I, I just think um, just just have no fear. I mean, get, getting into a trade, it doesn't need to be scary. It, it can be intimidating at first. But once you get past that intimidation factor and you get out there and you, you meet people, other people in the trade, other techs, other apprentices, um, you start to form a bond and you start to form a network. And over time, it's rewarding. I mean, it's it's nice to go home at the end of the day, have a customer smile at you, shake shake your hand and say, you did fabulous work today. The office is cool. Um, everybody's happy. And you drive home knowing that you did a good job and you can sleep well at night because you know that you're doing something honest and you're helping people out. Greg, what would you like people to take away from today's conversation? Well, that's certainly well said by Gary, that, that satisfaction of a job well done and being recognized for it is always nice for ourselves to think about while we're driving home. Uh, I, I think that the big part for me is to uh, have people dig in and really, really dig deep. And if, if you're going to become part of our industry or become part of any industry, really understand the, the science of what you're doing so you can truly hone your skills and become a professional. Um, we, we have, all industries have people who have uh, wound up in the, in the skilled trades that we wish we could help go back and kind of reset their, their learning because they have learned either proper, improper techniques or improper tools to understand systems. But I, I really think that digging in, understanding the nuts and bolts and the science will always make a professional technician. And that's what you get when you heard what Gary described. You get that satisfaction. Today on Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, it's been my privilege to have a conversation with Greg Crumpton. He is, of course, Vice President at Service Logic, and Gary McCready, the founder of HVACKnowItAll.com. Gary, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time out of your days. I really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you for taking time, Sean. Well, that was different being interviewed by somebody else. Usually it's me doing the interviewing on the podcast, but it was refreshing. It was, it was cool. It was, uh, it was different in a way where I got to sit back and just kind of let it roll and answer the questions when called upon. <laughs> it's usually the other way around on the podcast. Anyway, I got to thank Sean. And I got to thank Greg 
for inviting me on. And I also have to thank them for allowing me to take the audio file and share it in my own podcast. That was super cool of them. And when we do that, guess what happens? We grow the audience much larger. We grow the audience much larger that is interested in blue collar and growing the trades in general. That's very passionate about the trades. So I think that was the mission there. So thank you, boys. I'm going back to enjoy the rest of my holiday. You guys have an awesome day. Happy HVACing.